What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. Thank you for making us your first choice for NBA coverage. And remember, we are free and available on all platforms. And you can also watch every episode in full on our YouTube channel, along with all of our best hot takes. Just search Coast to Coast NBA podcast. We're finishing out our previews of the Western Conference with the season just ahead of us. We're talking Phoenix Suns and Dallas Mavericks, uh, two teams that... One that dominated the regular season, then went down early in the playoffs, and another that surprisingly went all the way to the Western Conference Finals last year. It's going to be two exciting teams to discuss, Chris. Yeah, and I can't believe it. That what is it? The nineteenth? That's next Tuesday. I'm losing all track of of space and time here, but it's it feels just like yesterday that we are watching these two teams play uh, in the playoffs months ago. And yeah, I, again, I love the way that we accidentally happened upon. Uh, the, these last few teams and it's it's a perfect way to, to look at it suns and maps they're really going to be toe-to-toe here as we've talked about how strong the western conference is and if we just jump into the suns let's just jump into it right now um they're the best regular season team last year hands down both sides of the ball how good well coached they were how well oiled of a machine they were defensively offensively how well they played in the pick and roll obviously chris paul um, he did miss a little bit of time, but, you know, for his age, going on his age 37 season, he played He played pretty well. He wasn't – injury wasn't the storyline of the season last year. And we're just quickly forgetting already that no one's talking about the Suns as a contender this year. And every year it seems like that's just a chip that they get to have on their shoulders going into the season. Do you feel like that collapse in the playoffs, like, is that our just baseline expectation now? just because of all the doubt that they've received every single season, ever since Chris Paul got there. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of just the way that it goes when you have, when you, when you kind of crap out just the way that they did, you become quickly forgettable. I mean, everyone just turned off that. They're just kind of like, okay, so maybe all that regular season stuff wasn't, uh, wasn't as legit as we thought. And they're like, the Mavs are going and beating them. Then they all just turn the attention on to to the Mavs and, and Luka Doncic getting up there. But, I mean, you gotta you gotta give respect to what they did, and and it showed because Monty Williams was coach of the year. Devin Booker made his first All NBA first team. Chris Paul was All NBA third team. I mean, Mikael Bridges was All Defensive first team. They were absolutely unbelievable. Uh, fourth in offensive rating, third in defensive rating. Just as a team on the whole, it pretty much felt like night in, night out. They brought it and it showed with their record. That's why they had the 64 and 18, the best record in the NBA. But they've got to come out and prove it again. They obviously had that unbelievable year, but after the way they went out in the playoffs, they got to come out and show big this year. And it's going to be difficult in the sense maybe they might just be struggling a little bit with with uh, production off the bench, but on the whole, it feels like they should be able to come out and produce a similar sort of season if they're healthy and playing at their best. Yeah, it's I mean, it's crazy when you put it that way. 64 wins, to be a 64-win team and to come into the season and to, it, it's almost like starting all over again. Just the way that they lost, you know, you forget how dominant they were last year. And it almost feels like a, a jazz-like kind of mm-hmm. theme how unbeatable the Jazz were at times over the past few years and just how dominant they were. And then they would just throw stinkers in the playoffs. And 
just a couple of years ago, the Suns were just a few games away from hoisting a trophy. I mean, they, they could have been the, the champions, and this is a very different narrative. And yeah, things do need to change. But speaking of health, I mean, they got everybody pretty much back, except for it seems they're going to be without Crowder, which, you know, this is a whole other discussion to have. Um, Crowder, if he's actually going to hold out and not play at all, but it seems that it's going to be that way, whether that's warranted or not. Um, I, that is something that I think needs to be addressed. So do you have, do you have any fun trades and any ideas what they should do about that situation? Because that's that's a that's a roster spot. They need to get someone on this team that's better sooner than later to integrate them into the system and it'd be better to make a move now rather than wait till the deadline. Yeah, it's just kind of difficult to think what way they can play it. I mean, if they're, they're the ones with the power there, like he wants out because he wants to be a starter, but they can just go, well, we what like they can send them to any sort of team that can offer up a player kind of maybe more suited to to play with them now when he was accepting a bench role, which you could see from plenty of teams like the Jazz and a couple others that you know aren't really going to be trying to compete this year. I mean, you look at Atlanta, our team that are being really, really touted, but it's kind of difficult to see what angle they'd have to play to actually try and make a deal like this happen. I got a few um, for, for Hawks, actually. I'm uh, glad you mentioned them because, uh, unfortunately, I mean, the other one that made sense that we talked about um, before we were recording here is Memphis, but um, it appears reports have come out that Memphis is not willing to make a deal. Um, Mavs also not willing to make a deal because Memphis, it feels like they have so many young, um, big forwards that would really be valuable for um, the Suns. And, I mean, I, I guess they just want to keep all of them, figure out who's, <laughs> who's going to be good. But for the Hawks, um, what do you think about this one? Crowder and Shamit for Bogdan. Who says no? Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's that'd be a very a very interesting interesting move. I think I think that could be that could be a, that could be a winner there. I like that. The, the only tough thing is you know how how reliant do the hawks feel that they're, are they going to be on um bogdan shooting or are they going to find shooting elsewhere because they they already got rid of herder and you want to surround Dejounte with shooters but you know, a lot of what bogdan did is you know being that that key piece to score off the bench and i wonder how much they're going to stagger so that that's a that's a question mark there but another one that gets interesting is the luxury tax issue that the Hawks are going to run into. They are only 1.7 million under the luxury tax right now. And they have the hunt, uh, DeAndre Hunter extension looming. Are they going to extend him? That That's a big question mark. They can get ahead of that right now and basically do a one for one. I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure that the money matches up Hunter for Crowder. Crowder is going to bring the same skill set that that Hunter brings, obviously not without the youth, and maybe they get a pick out of it, maybe. I I have to think they would rather keep Hunter and hopefully look at moving John Collins because he always just they always just seem to want to the rumor is always just there. He's just like, always, they always there's just a, there, isn't a, <laughs> there isn't a complete Hawks uh, trade idea without John Collins. Obviously, on my notes here is John Collins question mark. Um, that, that just, that just seems like the pipe dream because what John Collins brings to you, to the Hawks, especially now that you have, uh, another pick and roll creator, um, that would be tough to let go of. 
I think the the thing with DeAndre Hunter is like as a as a Hawks fan and as anyone who's watching the Hawks, you do get kind of worried with the amount of injuries he's had. You know that there's there could be the thought of you know getting off of him before that becomes apparent that he's just an injury risk all the time. But if if we see a trade over any of these these next few weeks, I think it's going to be the Hawks. That's been the most noise there. That's been you know it has to be to a, to a team that's going to be a contender. No one's taking Jay Crowder. That, that was why I couldn't really think of, unless it's a three-team trade, um, the Jazz would be an awesome trade partner um, only for the Sunso because you'd love to see them get another uh, on-ball creator with Jordan Clarkson, but I, I just don't see that working out. No, nah, no, nah, that would be a surprising one, but I, I would say in terms of for the Suns, I think getting a guy like DeAndre Hunter, especially if he could stay healthy, and he's playing for a contract, that could be a great addition for them. Yeah. And I think that that brings me to the next point is, you know, Jay Crowder, that's not going to be a huge hole because I expect Cam Johnson to continue getting better. And we'll talk about him and Mikhail in a little bit. But, you know, getting a guy like Jordan Clarkson, getting a guy like Bogdan, I think that's that's a little bit important because they've been waiting for Landry Shamit to be a reliable playmaker. And, um, you know, they, they saw – flashes of campaign being really productive uh, during the championship run and then see that kind of going away. They just don't have a reliable playmaker coming off the bench. And especially, you know, as Chris Paul is getting older, I think that that is something that absolutely has to be addressed. You know, this is, we're again, talking about a 60 plus win team. Like it is a team that no matter what's going to be good, but in terms of, you know, insurance and for the future, like where, where do you, where do you think they solve that issue here? Is it on the team already? Is it through a trade? Is it through, um, you know, maybe a young guy in this roster? I think it. You could you could maybe try and and wait out a little bit and think maybe you can f- solve the problem within the team that they have now. But I think if they really want to to make it make a difference in that in that area, they'll they'll have to make a trade. But I think it might only force their hand if uh, if Chris Paul is missing a few more games than he did last year. Because like you said, he did in fairness to him, he played 65 games last year, which actually surprised me. Kind of almost felt like he was out for, for a little bit more. So if he's still around that mark this year, it might not force their hand a little bit. If they're But if they're really being proactive and they want to show the world that they're still ambitious, they're still ready to take another leap on from last year, they will work to make a trade to try and get that, fill that position. Yeah, and I think if if the trade's not there, I'm I'm really curious um, how committed Monty is to this statement he made because he did specifically talk about Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges doing a bit more playmaking, and that that statement means a lot to me because this team, I mean, their their success has been predicated on great spacing and pick and roll. Their their pick and roll has been probably the best in the league. And that all stems from what Devin Booker does and what Chris Paul does. And I feel like there's going to be a lot more, there's going to have to be a lot more creative ways to get the offense going with Mikhail, with Cam Johnson. And I think also with, with Aiden, um, I, I hope that there's, there's going to be some evolution there with those players. Cause I, I actually think that Mikhail has, has a little bit more that he's just scratching the surface of his offensive game. I mean, do you feel like he has a ceiling that, that we could see expanded a bit more in this season. 
I think that's always kind of there, especially when you see a guy who is so elite on the defensive end, you're kind of thinking he's putting all of his being into being that elite defender and that difference maker for the team. I mean, he is the big difference maker on the defensive end for this team, but you're always kind of like, if he really wanted to, if he was really committed to it, could he give you that little bit more on the offensive end and really kind of change himself into being much more of a, of a two-way player. But with him, for me, I'd still kind of, I, I haven't seen enough of it to fully believe that it's there. Maybe this is the year that we get to see that. Yeah. And the opportunity is absolutely there, you know, especially when you, if you're, if you're giving him the opportunity to create off the dribble, he's going to have the third, third worst defender at best on him and any different game. Cause you already have Booker out there. You already have Chris Paul out there and Chris Paul comfortable off ball shooter. Devin Booker, comfortable off-ball shooter. Cam Johnson, comfortable off-ball shooter. The spacing is there, and I think it'll be interesting to see if this continues, but you've seen how, at least in the preseason, he's been comfortable aggressively shooting, uh, aggressively attacking off the dribble, and you know, not just, not just kind of resetting to Chris Paul or looking to Devin Booker and just acting as an off-ball shooter. And if that's, if that's something that he can add to his game, if he's going to be able to you know, put the ball on the floor and, you know, use his length. Cause man, when he uses his length to, to get to the rim, I mean, he's so, he's so good at it. And especially with the spacing that they can create on this team, that's, that's something that I could see him do reliably more often than not. And if Chris Paul is starting to, you take down his, his load by 10% and you add a little bit onto Mikhail Bridges, I, I think that's a solution. Cause I think a lot of people think about, you know, if Booker is going to start to take over that role, if he's going to go back to having point book. And we've already kind of seen what that looks like. And it's not, it's not that contender status Suns team. It's, it's the efficiency goes down. Uh, the shooting goes down. The playmaking is fine, but it's just not the role that he's meant to play. So I'm curious what, what Monty can do. I mean, this is the reigning uh, coach of the year. He's got talented players in this roster. And we could see an evolution of how these players play. And they're not going to be that same 60-win team because I expect them to try out different things as they realize that Chris Ball is probably, you know, how many more years has he got left? He's, he's not going to, you're not going to be able to just run everything through him all season long. Yeah, I mean, like, it was kind of a weird season for, for Chris Paul last year because he had, he ended up having the lowest point per game of his career but he also still led the league in assists per game. Mm-hmm. And then like the, you, you did see some signs of decline. I mean, he had three playoff games where he scored seven points or less when it's your second star. I know the playmaking is his big thing, but you, you, you need more from that. If you're going to be a, if you're going to be a contender. And then, I mean, in the, the final two losses against the Mavs, he went for 13 points, four assists with five turnovers then 10 points and four assists with three turnovers. I mean, those are the signs that you see. You need that little bit extra, whether that's something that we see from Cam Johnson or Mikael Bridges, or that's someone they can bring in off the bench. He's he's just not quite as sharp as he was, and maybe they're expecting too much from him at this stage. Yeah. Well, if you're if you're pulling up those numbers, I'd pull up a Mikael scoring numbers on those last couple of games. He was... He was pretty quiet too. So I think the expectation has to come to him too. That that should come with that should come with the media attention too. That there shouldn't just be, okay, he's just our defender. Like 
that needs to be the expectation that Mikhail Bridges should be approaching like a, you know, a 17, 18 point per game score. If we're talking about lines here, like you'd want him to start taking that jump. And you've seen it. He's been incrementally um, shooting more off the dribble. He's been taking more shots. He's been taking more threes and he's done his part every year to slowly get there. So, I mean, the trajectory is there. I mean, I, I believe, I believe that, you know, that shooting stroke looks way better than it did a couple of years ago. And um, I, I think this is a big year for him. And honestly, I, I think that for, for a guy like him to be a, a wing player that's seriously con- considered for, uh, for a defensive player of the year, for him just to add some, some of these tools that he's shown over the past year offensively. I mean, this is a potential, you know, this is a dark horse all-star kind of guy. If, if he puts together um, those pieces of his game, that he's slowly been growing, slowly been growing. Maybe he has a, a breakout year. I mean, that's, I'm not doubting that, you know, as Chris Paul starts to fade out, if Mikhail Bridges is able to put his offense together, he's the complete package. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's fair. I mean, I, I, I won't be quite jumping in on that quite yet, but if I, <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to say that it, it can't happen. I'm, we won't, he's just got to be put in the position to do it. And then if he can go and on from that and actually, show it after being put in their position, then you start to you start to really raise a few eyebrows. You start to think, okay, this Suns team, they they have another avenue to to come back and be successful again this year. But there's pressure on a lot of guys this team. There's pressure on Devin Booker too. I mean last year he had an unbelievable regular season. 27 5 and 5 uh near 50 40 90 efficiency. But then he kind of crumbled in the crunch time in the playoffs. Those last two games where they lost by 27 points and 33 points to the Mavs, he has 19 points and then 11 points, zero, zero threes in the final game. He went nine of 31 from the field in those two games. He had, uh, I think, combined like 12 turnovers. So, I mean, he really crumbled in the moment that they needed him the most and He's got to show that that's not the guy he's going to be. It's tough in the playoffs. Don't get me wrong. It's it's extremely tough. But he is the guy for Phoenix. So he has to show that he can step up in the biggest moments. Do we, do we give him a pass for that last game? Like, is that just like a, an anomaly? Because that the, the Mavs just blitz. Everyone on the Suns looked shell-shocked. Monty Williams looked shell shocked. Like no, nobody was ready for that game. I, and to this day, there's never been an ex- explanation for it. It was just like the, their worst game of the year, probably in years. And that was like the Mavs part, like one of their best games that they've played in years. Like, did we just give him a, a pass for that? I don't know. I'll give, that was, I'll, I'll give him a pass if he comes back this year and makes me forget about it. That's then I'll give him the pass. He w- I think he, I mean, he will. He's going to, because I think he's, I think he's going to continue to be as good as he is. And I think, you know, if we're just talking about evaluating him on a year-to-year basis, like we have with Bridges, he surprised me with how good he's been defensively. Like, he's, he's changed that narrative. I see him as a good defender. And that's, that's massive for him. I don't think he's gotten nearly enough credit for how solid of an on-ball defender he's been uh, compared to what he's been for. Like, I'm not, I'm not calling him an elite defender, but he's become a complete player. I think in my mind. And that's, that's something that, you know, I'm not sure if he's the guy. I don't know what that necessarily means because again, we've seen how he's operated as a solo 
as a solo act and he's not that level player, but few, we were talking Kevin Durant and, and LeBron James, how, how far did Kyrie get by himself? We were just naming elite offensive players. So I, I think it's, it's time to drop that narrative in terms of um, what he is with and without Chris Paul, because any player like his caliber needs another player, but I, I think, I think it'll be behind him. And I'm excited to, to see the narrative change a little bit on terms of how good he is defensively. And I mean, that'll, that'll mean a lot. I mean, it won't just be talking about um, this elite defensive unit that they have, but it's him. If he becomes, takes another step defensively, if he's an elite defender, I mean, that, that goes a long way for uh, how he's viewed in the league, not, not just his line. Yeah. Yeah. I think I definitely agree now. And then the big, the big question mark is uh the so-called third star of this team, DeAndre Ayton. I mean, it, everyone was a bit kind of surprised and it all felt a bit weird when he came out uh, in media day and talked about how he hadn't spoken to to the coach um, all, since since that last game. And like just the whole feeling around Ayton is so weird. They weird. obviously signed the new contract. It's just such a weird situation. And you're kind of looking at it and thinking... Will DeAndre Ayton finish the season with the Suns? Like, oh, oh, that's, I mean, yes, definitely. Yeah. They're, they're stuck. They're stuck, right? I don't, I don't think it would take some sort of colossal, like, like breakdown of this team, which we just saw one in the playoffs. So maybe that's not impossible, but. I mean, they're, they're stuck. They're stuck together. I mean, they just, they signed ink to paper. I don't think he could even be traded until the probably around the deadline, I think, but that we would take thought, us. We saw some surprising moves at the deadline last year. I know. I know. I mean, this is always one of those things that you ask and I'm just like, obviously that's not going to happen. And then it happens like James Harden was never going to get traded to the Nets and then that happened. But I, I feel like they have to stick this one out, but I mean, it is really weird, man. Like this doesn't for a team that almost reached the pinnacle of basketball, raised a trophy a couple years ago, just has a really, really weird vibe to it. Jay Crowder, who's there, you know, that's their that's their locker room guy. That's their that's their veteran. He's a leader on this team and he wants to get out of here. He doesn't doesn't want to accept whatever role or change is coming. And then your rising star, DeAndre Ayton, was so excited to get the hell out of there. And then I mean, that's what restricted free agency is like. Um, and on a super aside, like the Pacers, I don't even think the Pacers fully outbid. They 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 could have outbid by like six, seven million more, I think, but they didn't. Um, but it's yeah, it's just going to be a weird relationship. These things go away with winning in terms of what we talk about. But for the start of a season where I think, I mean, we, you are right in terms of what they have to prove because – this isn't, this wasn't just a normal, oh, you guys gave it your all and you almost made it. It was, you guys collapsed like badly. Like that is what we're going to remember until they, until they reassert themselves. Um, but you know, if, we, if we're staying on eight and, you know, I, I, I don't know what to do, but speculate. And that's all we can do about these sort of locker room things and dynamics with Monty, which is again, just so weird. Cause Monty is like, just a players, players coach. Like he is a super calm guy. Like you, like, if you don't know much about like coach Monty, like look him up, like he's got such an awesome life story and like the interviews he does and how he interacts with the players. It's like, he's just such a good guy. Um, but for him to just have a broken relationship with this guy, it's, 
it's it's a tough it's a tough way to to predict how much better he's going to get because that's that's the biggest x factor on this team you know mikhail bridges i i hope that works out i, I think again devin booker is going to be great hopefully chris ball stays healthy deandre ayton i think is a key to this team taking a big jump and the sun's feeling even more confident in another uh, championship push because he just has so much more talent than he's shown and he's, and he's consistently kind of like edged a little bit there, a little bit there, a little bit there. And then when he showed it a couple of playoffs ago, and then last year, you know, didn't quite reach that pinnacle that we, that he thought he would like, we're just waiting for him to hit that MB point. Right. Like we're waiting for him to put it together and to, because I mean, just look at his post up numbers. Like he only had three possessions per game in the post but he scored basically the same efficiency as Embiid. Albeit he's not getting in the line as much. He does need to be more physical, but in terms of what he can do in the post as like a pure score by himself, like that should be something that is developing, but I don't know. I don't have a lot of faith in, in how far Aiton's going to get with this team here. Just because the the vibes, there's, there's no analysis there. Just the, just the vibes. It doesn't feel right. Yeah, I mean, that's that's just the way it is. It, it feels like they aren't totally committed to him being like a, a star guy on this team. He's not totally committed to to giving his all to play on this team. But you you think, uh, like we talked about, like Bridges taking a bit more responsibility. Hopefully things do work out and that leads to Aiton getting to showcase his strengths more, like getting the scoring and the pay, like getting more opportunities to show so physicality and get to the line more but yeah it's just the 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 vibes the vibes are weird and that's kind of all you can really say about it until we see them uh see them play some games into the season but uh just finishing up on the suns then what about we think this is still a roster capable of competing at the very top in this western conference oh yeah absolutely i mean absolutely like that top down chris paul devin booker Kel bridges cam johnson deandre aiden that is a that is a championship quality starting lineup, um, and they've proven the past few years that they've found ways to to you know stagger their lineups and to make things work and to look deep, even though the names may not look deep. Um, I I think they'll they'll do it. Um, and this is kind of a super side. We'll stay quick with it, but you know I think there's a few names here that will surprise us. You know Josh Okogi was completely just, you know, went to the wayside with the T-Wolves. Like, he was such a darling on the T-Wolves. And what he did defensively, I thought was really impressive. Obviously, he never put it together offensively. But I think he's going to do a lot for this team if he's given the time. Um, I, I like him better than Torrey Craig. I think he's got uh, better energy on that side. Um, but Torrey Craig's another another guy. I think he's a val- valuable rotation piece. Any any team in the league, I think, would be happy to have a guy like him. Um Dario Sarge, if he can get healthy, that's that's a guy that coming off the bench, that's a great rotation piece. I, I think they're deeper than we give them credit. They're, they're definitely deeper than we give them credit. And I I don't I don't want to look at, but my only question marks, I guess, is Landry Shamit and and campaign. But if you're if you're worried about those guys, I, I think that's that's not what really matters here. We're, we're talking about a team that, you know, they have an amazing starting five. They've been in the championship. They've been deep in the playoffs. And I think what you said actually probably is one of the biggest factors. They have a lot to prove here. So they're going to hopefully come back hungry. And I, I still consider them to be in the top in the elite. And then 
stick with that. You're saying they're still going to finish as a as a top four seed in the West. Yeah, they they prove they've proven health, um, and that that's that's always like the tough the tough like predictors. Like, are they going to stay healthy? And especially when you're counting on a guy like Chris Paul. But I think that that based on the the growth that we that we can predict and and uh, and Mikhail and Aiton and Cam Johnson, if if those guys can continue to get better under Monty, then I think they can even survive if if Chris Paul is not playing sixty four games. He's playing. 55 games, you know, I, I have, I have confidence they'll, they'll stay up there in the top four. They have yeah, reason to. Yeah, I think, I think we got enough reason, at least, uh, they're at least giving enough uh, Utah Jazz vibes to Yeah, exactly. We'll, 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 <laughs> they'll, stay, they'll stick around at least in the, in the regular season, but uh, another team have kind of gone another way, the Dallas Mavericks, I mean, they had a surprising year last year. Jason Kidd in his first year as coach really kind of changed the narrative around this team almost and it uh, it almost came up trumps they they got to the the western conference finals uh, he led them to their first playoff series wins with uh, with Luca as the lead star now it's just a question they've lost Jalen Brunson the or the key kind of two guy to to Luca last year so you're just looking at it and thinking they got a pretty well blown out by the Golden State Warriors in those Western Conference Finals. It was pretty a pretty disappointing performance, especially from from Luka Doncic. They've now lost Brunson, and you're thinking, how can they improve this year? Yeah, that's that that's not, like that matchup against the Warriors in particular. That's tough. I mean, that that's a whole conversation on its own. Like, I, I think the the Mavs proved that they could get through pretty much anyone in the Western conference, but the, the movement of the warriors and how they really stretch things out and the personnel on the Mavs, I mean, the, the Mavs played so impressively well to, to play, um, to be so switchable without the most switchy guys and to play five out with out the best, you know, five out players and the way that they just kind of like threw that together at the end of the season um, tells me two things. One, I don't think that it'll be as good next year, this year. Um, and I think they're also not done team building. Like they, they've they mentioned they still have a roster spot, so they don't have the assets to make a big trade. But, I mean, they've they've shown that the best system around Luka is what they did with having multiple ball, handers, ball handlers on the floor, sp- spreading the floor, um, playing spread, uh, spread pick and roll. And... I thought that, you know, this year would be a huge, huge year for Christian Wood. You know, ha- having him on the team, I was super excited about. They, they got him super early uh, in the in the offseason that it's almost become a non- non-topic. And I, I think when we were going to talk about expectations this year, I I don't feel crazy to feel like his how well he does, how well he fits in this team and what his potential is. And if he reaches it, those questions can kind of line up with, if they take a jump or maybe stay in that kind of range that they were in. But now he's looking like a six man. I don't know. How are you feeling about that? Yeah. I mean, uh, let's get into Christian Wood. I mean, he was obviously their kind of big uh, acquisition this, uh, this off season, but it's, it, it obviously seems very, very clear. He's coming to the team and Jason Kidd saying, if you want to be a starter on my team, you need to show me that you can play consistent defense. 
that that seems to be the way that it is and and it's great to to see that from from Jason Kidd and and mm-hmm. it's the right way to go about it you're challenging him he's obviously a really good scorer i mean he's averaged 19 points last year 10 rebounds as well he's shooting uh, 58% on twos and 38% on his uh, on his threes over the last over the last two years so i mean it's just a question of defense and if he's committed to improving that aspect of his game he will become a starter in this year he's being initiated in the perfect way by by uh, by coach kid i think yeah i, I think that's that's important i'm uh, this, this is a tough thing because when has he ever had to play real you know championship quality defense never that's never been asked of him and he's just always been like this he finally showing it in in houston um that he's really an elite pick and roll pick and pop partner i mean if he's given the touches and the minutes he's an easy 20 and 10 guy alongside luca like that that's a super tough super super tough matchup if you have to defend that uh pick and pop that pick and roll with uh luca and christian wood but then obviously like the, the tough thing that you know that this isn't just about wood but about their other players here is that and the reason why i don't think that defense is going to stick is how many of these guys your christian woods your um you, know, you got tim hardaway jr returning um spencer dinwiddie and even ultimately luca how many of these really gifted offensive players are going to continue to match, you know, what, what they've, what they've developed last year offensively, but they're just going to give it away on the other end. And kid is trying to create this to maintain that defensive identity that they had, which I think is huge. And he, he did it without like elite defensive personnel. I mean, he played Reggie Bullock, like a thousand minutes in the, by the end of the season. And he was just like completely gassed. Same with, uh, same with Dorian Finney-Smith. Those two guys were just such workhorses. And without them, and this is not an understatement, without them, they would not have made it as far as they did. I mean, those guys were, and Massey Kleber, those those three guys were such, such key parts of their defense staying alive. And, you know, is is Wood going to, does he have the defensive talent? I mean, as a, as a help defender, as, you know, a rim protector, he has the athleticism, he's shown it, he can do that. Um, but yeah, it's going to take a lot for, for kid to, to, to figure that out. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, that, that would be a pretty surprising thing. And that's just going to be another testament to, to kids coaching ability. If he can garner that sort of defensive attention out of Christian Wood, because obviously he didn't have to do it in Houston, but he's, you're right. He's going to need to do it here. Yeah. That's a big thing. He's never, he's never really been forced to do it. He's never been in a position where. He has to, he has to do it. But now, now he is. Like this team was the, was the sixth best rated defense uh, throughout the regular season last year. That that was what got them into, into fourth place in the Western Conference. And if they can sustain that in any sort of way, if they're even on the echelons of top ten this year, I think that's that's pretty impressive. To just considering how hard they definitely had to work last year to get to to get to that level, and you're thinking if they're staying in in and around the top 10. I mean, you're thinking you're going to see uh, improvement from Wood. Hopefully you'll see that little bit more improvement from Doncic, even to get like a, like you said with Booker, if, if Doncic can get even close to that sort of level uh, as a as a defender. But in terms of like the, the whole roster they've got, it, it's it's pretty, pretty solid throughout. And then obviously you've got the absolute superstar in, in Luka Doncic, but you're looking at it and thinking obviously, 
it looks like Hardy is going to get some starting starting minutes. It's going to be Doncic, Hardy, Bullock, Finney, Smith, and McGee you think so to start the season? You think? I think he might because I think he just liked the way that Dinwiddie played for the team last year. I think he probably will end up coming in and starting because Hardy just won't won't be at the level yet. But I think he liked the role that Dinwiddie played coming off the bench for this team yeah. last year. And you could even see Hardaway Jr. getting in possibly some more some more starting minutes ahead ahead of Dinwiddie. But I mean you're looking at me thinking they gotta replace Brunson. I mean Brunson kind of came out of left field. He kind of came out of nowhere and just ended up being a really good two guy to to Lucas uh, number one. And like maybe maybe Hardy can do the same. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say I'm expecting that from or I've seen enough to say that that's definitely gonna happen, but if they were to somehow manage to achieve that with uh, back-to-back players, it'd be it'd be pretty amazing. But in terms of replacing Brunson, I think I like what Hardaway can. In terms of scoring, you have to think Hardaway Junior is capable of matching the sixteen points that that Brunson uh, was was uh, averaging last season. I think it's just a question of you're not going to be able to rely on him to have the ball in his hands and actually run plays through Tim Hardaway like you could with Brunson. Yeah, it's. I mean, he, he's a gunner, and Jalen Brunson was elite at getting inside. I mean, we, we talked about it last year, um, his ability to get in the paint, you know, different styles, but mirrored John Moran. And it, I mean, his his efficiency getting to the rim and scoring around the rim and the, the gravity that he created with that was, I mean, tremendous. Um, that can't be understated. Um, but, man, I can't let you get away with that hot take. That I mean, you think that Jaden Hardy could have a chance to, to – be a starter by the end of the year. That's you'll you'll lock that in. You gotta lock it in. You're five days away from the start of the season. You locking that in? I was more saying from the start of the year. And from then, the start of the year, I, I, I was I was I was trying to save yeah, you here because yeah, that's yeah. the hottest <laughs> taste. That's five days around it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I, I don't know, like maybe it is wild. Obviously, you've seen him getting minutes in the in the preseason. I, I, I purely not saying that he has earned the right or he is deserved there. Maybe, maybe he does. Maybe he'll prove everyone wrong and he'll show that he does deserve it. But I, I think it was purely in a sense of the fact that Dimwitty played such an important role coming off the bench for this team. And that's the only real way that I, that I was looking at it. Yeah. I mean, I, there's two ways to look at that. Like if at the end of the season, like Jaden Hardy is starting and he's getting starting minutes that, if, if you're a pessimist, then you're thinking, okay, that means that this season is not really going too great. That means Dinwiddie is not playing that efficiently. That means Tim Hardaway Jr. is still, you know, not the most efficient player. But that would be – I do love that rotation idea because you – Jaden Hardy does give you a secondary um, uh, creator next to Doncic. That's what you want to have. You want to allow him to play a little bit more off ball. And you have Doncic there to, you know, float, keep everything afloat. You, you can't have, you can't have Hardy. Maybe it's more dangerous to have Hardy out there on in second units. Cause you know, he's, they need to keep things afloat when you have Doncic out, out of the game and you have Tim Hardaway Jr. You have Spencer Dinwiddie um, see how well they play together. You, you saw how much synergy you have between Brunson and, and Dinwiddie. Um, <laughs> I mean, that would, that would be amazing. Cause think about it. This guy has the pedigree coming out of high school. This was a top five player, bona fide top five player. Um, and you're looking at how amazing this class looks this year. I mean, he was considered amongst that crowd to be one of the best. And, you know, he didn't, he didn't prove it in the G league and me, 
it's it's tough. It's a completely different environment than it is in college. It's completely, it's a lot more physical. And I think he's showing that he looks a little bit more comfortable than some of these other rookies. But I mean, what did you like from his game? Would you like uh, from what you saw from him in preseason in particular? I, I'd love the Jaden Hardy topic. I don't, I don't think this is just some fringe thing. I think this is, they haven't had a guy that they can maybe think could be an elite player. And I think he has a chance to be that. Yeah. I mean, like it, it's not, it's not the craziest thought in the world. I mean, like I like I mentioned before, I mean Brunson was a guy who basically kind of came out of nowhere. Like no one was expecting Brunson to be as good as he was. So why why not why like why not with Hardy? Why can't he go and, and offer that same thing? I think he he provides a dimension to the team that that potentially provides a, a dimension to the team that that no one else does, and that that's that's the main thing that I like about him. Yeah, I if if he's not the guy, do you, do you have any moves that they uh, that they can make? Because they did mention they have another roster spot. Any any uh, any fake trades? We only have five days until we fake trades are not really fun anymore. Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely guys out there. One that I you that you'd look at the Jazz and think that either Mike Conley or Jordan Clarkson. I don't know how the hell the money would work and how they could possibly make a. A move like that, but that that would be kind of the the sort of person that they could uh, they could definitely do with in Dallas. What about yeah, Clarkson? You know, Ainge loves his wings. Maybe he's interested in a uh, Josh Green, a little Josh Green for for Clarkson action. Yeah. Orlando, they they got a whole few point guards there. Maybe they're uh, in the market, but um. I mean, we're, we're really taking deep takes here because we're talking about Jaden Hardy and Josh Green, but <laughs> uh, I think it, I think it's it's important. Like, those are two those are two uh, important questions to answer for this team. One is the who's going to take that um, secondary creator because you you saw just how good that was last year having those those three creators at any time. Um, Jaden Hardy can definitely be that in terms of talent standpoint. I think most reasonable people would think he's a couple years away, but you never know. Um, Josh Green, though, who's coming to his, his third season now, um, I think he answers the question of of their depth because you, you can't play Reggie Bullock literally like 40 minutes a game in, in, a, in a playoff game. You just can't do that. Um, he's an excellent player. What he did was tremendous last year, but you can't play him for that long. You can't do the same thing for Dorian Finney-Smith. And they are not rich on wings. You know, they got Christian Wood, which is nice, but you look at it. Now, now this team is, you know, how, how do you work out that that big rotation? Because you got um, Kleber, you got Dwight Powell, you got JaVale McGee, who I'm going to love all the oops that, that Luka Doncic throws up to him. I mean, like the it's it's tough. It's tough enough to to deal with him throwing up lobs to Powell. Like you just give him like five more inches of, of uh, airspace. I mean, that's that's going to be so easy for him. That's going to be the easiest lobs that he's ever done in his life. And then you have Christian Wood. So that it almost seems like they have too many big guys and they don't have enough guys like Josh Green, like bigger wings. You can play the small ball for, which feels like the future of this team. It feels like the future of what the Mavs are going to do successfully alongside Doncic. They just don't have that personnel. So while like, they got Davis Bertans as well. I forgot about him. Yeah. He popped my head. I just didn't even feel like mentioning him. So, so thanks. Yeah. They have five guys. They have four <laughs> guys worth playing and I wasn't going to mention him. Well, Davis Bertans um, could come become worth playing if he can actually consistently how? hit a shot. Well, Dude, it's been like two years. Defensively, it is it is it is he is a complete liability which they can't yeah. afford. But 
I'll he give is, him credit though. He, he tried. Is, he he tries to play defense. Of, of hitting the shot. Yeah, he, he tries to play defense. Like he 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 does. He he's trying his best. He's trying his darndest, but he he just, he can't. That's not what he true. does. That's true. Um, if he could hit a shot, yeah, that would in in theory that would be he'd be useful then, right? Maybe then the, the Wizards would we all? Have him <laughs> yeah. Um, but Josh Green, honestly, like whether he's you can convince another team that he's a project that you can you can work on, but I mean, he he does a lot of things on the court. When he's on the court, he's a really good rebounder. Like he's gonna, he's one of the better uh, rebounders on the floor at any time when you're putting him out there. So he has energy. I mean, he does all the things that Jason Kidd asked him to do. He screens, he pass. He's a very good passer, very underrated passer. And the defense, I think he's he's still developing there, but the versatility is there. Like he's a strong, bigger wing, and a guy like that. If, if he can develop this year just to provide rotation minutes, um, you know, it's hard to talk about the trade game, especially we've been going up and down these teams. Like everybody's trying to make a trade. Everybody's trying to get better. Like this is an op- another open year where any team's going to convince themselves that they can compete and the market's going to be tough. It's going to be dry. So you need to find those players within. Um, Josh Green feels closer to me than <laughs> Jaden Hardy, but both of them are kind of long shots. And, I mean, do you think I'm far off? Or are we both far off? Are we crazy? Are we starting to dig deep in these rosters? Yeah, I mean, we're both we're both a little bit crazy. There's no there's no doubt about that. I mean, Josh Green, obviously, he's shown the little flashes. He's obviously a guy. He he does what's asked from him, but he needs to do that little bit more to show that he is worthy of consistent minutes because they they could really do with him being a guy who's worthy of consistent minutes this year. Like the the spot is there for him if he if he really wants it, and he and if he actually has. The ability that we the the Mavs uh, the Mavs kind of hope that he uh, hope that he has, but will we get into the the main guy where there's no real question marks about it, uh, uh, other than uh, other than his defense and his attitude and uh, Luca Legend is Frank Nilakina. <laughs> We're definitely are not talking, we not about, talking Frank about Frank. Nilekina. We are not. Talking That's about not the main guy. Nilekina. What are you talking about? That the, yeah, the, the, the yeah. season is make or break on Frank Nilakina. <laughs> I don't know who you're who you possibly could talk about. If Frank Nilkina is hitting corner threes and getting 15 minutes a game, nothing else matters. This team is going to the championship. I, I thought that's what was next here. Well, that's a given. We don't need to talk about that. Everyone already knows that. Right. Come on. Uh, but I'm talking about that, that, uh, that, that, that other guy uh, that, that's kind of okay at basketball. I think his name's Luka Doncic. You, you, know, you, you remember him? Yeah. The guy who choked in EuroLeague? Yeah. Oh, okay. You're going. You're 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 a Euro League uh, source here. I know you're following a lot closer than me. I I thought it was just obvious that he was going to drag the Slovenian team to the cup. What is is it a cup? Is it a trophy? Is is it a is it a ring? What, what do they, they give out there all. in Europe? They win though. Oh, they, I'm not actually sure. I'm pretty sure. I don't even know if they do do it as they do it like they do it like FIBA or not. They do that. They still do the medal? medals. Yeah, I catch you. Medal. I don't okay. even remember when I because I remember I I was uh, I actually wasn't watching the final, but I just remember watching it and they called it. I think they called it like the the silver medal game and all. So I think I think they do. I think they did do uh, did do the medals, but I could be totally way off on that. But yeah, Luca. Is this the year that he wins MVP? I mean, he's a favorite amongst most of uh, most bookmakers out there. I mean, over the last three seasons, he's been just absolutely outrageous. 28 points, basically 28, 9, and 9 with the steal on 56% shooting from his two, 34% on threes. I mean, he's been absolutely astronomical. And then this is the year where I look at it and thinking, 
is this the year that he really takes over as the face of the league? Because in my head, it, no one has really taken over from LeBron James. Not to say LeBron is still the best guy in the league. I think that's Giannis. But you look at like the, the different situations. I mean, like in the 70s, it was Kareem. Then in the 80s, it was Magic and Bird. Then Jordan takes over. Then Shaq has his little spell. Then it's Kobe. Then it's LeBron. I feel like no one's really taken the mantle from LeBron yet. And I think this could be the year where Luka Doncic does that and just takes over. And we obviously it's going to be scary to think he can get to another level, but it's you kind of think that he can. I oh he absolutely can. He, he absolutely can. Um I have a boring answer for the MVP thing. Um I think he will win it because obviously because he's amazing and he's, and he's gonna put up numbers and he's gotten he's gotten slightly better every year I and mean, he came into the league as a superstar and honestly once that that three-point shot is is an interesting thing for me because i'm not sure if if that's that three-point uh step back is something that just kind of came out of nowhere and he even talked about how he just started doing it he didn't even come to him and it, it's amazing if you haven't watch his interview um, on old man and three with JJ Reddick to hear him talk about basketball is so fascinating. Like it, he's just such a prodigy. Like whenever he talks about just the different things he does, it's just all comes to him. And that, that three point shot and the creativity that's come with that uh, has not been efficient yet. And if that becomes efficient, if that becomes like something that, you know, isn't just part of his arsenal, but is a go-to shot, that's that's when it's game over because in reality when you look at everyone looks at Luca and his his step backs and his passing but his best part of his game is getting in the paint and his ability to get by anyone he wants and, and create that gravity there and get the offense moving from there but that that step back three and that off ball shooting if that comes into focus that's when he goes from <laughs> I mean that's that's when he becomes a, a 30 32 33 James Harden like offensive output every single year because he that hasn't come up yet um so in terms of what he's gonna do yeah like he'll have an mvp season regardless but is anyone gonna want to vote for Jokic again is anyone gonna want to vote for Giannis? i already voted for him maybe they'll, they'll maybe this is Embiid's year so it'll be up to Embiid or Doncic this year because i don't think they're they're gonna vote for Giannis again they'll probably won't vote for Jokic again um, and I think all of it's going to be on Doncic's shoulder. So when you're going to pick between those two guys, you're going to say, okay, well, Embiid has Harden, Embiid has Maxi, and Tobias Harris. He's got help there. And Doncic, he, hey, Tobias Harris, he's paid like a star. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> that's their that's fourth star. Um, but Doncic is going to do it all by himself. So if you just even compare those two guys and they had almost – similar stats and similar wins, same ending to the season. I think you probably vote Doncic just because of, you know, just the narratives that are going to go around and the voter fatigue for the other guys. I think if you're betting money, I'm, I'm betting on Doncic all the way. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. One, one, one thing that's going to be interesting is you're kind of thinking they're kind of almost slightly moving back towards uh, the first few years of Doncic ball in, in Dallas, where you're thinking it's going to be back to more, more ball domination, more isolation plays for him. But the team had the most success when he had his uh, legit number two in Brunson. 
So what sort of impact do you think that will have? Do you think they're just try to get more out of other guys to kind of fulfill the Brunson role or will they rely more heavily on Luka Doncic and is that moving in the right direction or the wrong direction for Dallas? That's that that's the thing. I mean that that's part of the the what we talked about defensively too, like their identity that they that they created at the end of last season. I, I think that you, you look at how Doncic plays, especially how he plays in in Europe, when he plays in Europe, that, that feels like the most organic Luka Doncic. Like that's where he learned to play basketball. That's the style that he learned. And there never, there never was a question last year that he wasn't comfortable playing off ball or he wasn't, it felt seamless. Like he was okay playing that role. Um, and especially when it led to team success, there's nothing, there's nothing that suggests that that wouldn't happen again. It just goes back to the question of like, who, who is that guy? Is it Spencer Dinwiddie? Spencer Dinwiddie looked good. He looked really good. Um, he he doesn't bring the same, you know, dribble penetration that Jalen Brunson did. Um, but his shooting and what he was able to do in the pick and roll, um, especially with the the spacing that they created last year, I think in team concept, it's I, I think they'll be able to to replicate it. Maybe maybe when Jaden Hardy is starting next Tuesday, like you said, that that'll it'll all come together real nicely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just maybe. And then, what about with with Luca on the whole? Because obviously he was great last season. He was really uh, impressive throughout the playoffs. But then, in the series against the Warriors, his defense was really yeah. lacking. His attitude was really lacking, and just yeah. the overall effort. It was really disappointing to see. Do you think we're gonna see that a noticeable change in, in those those aspects this year? He talked about it. I'll, I'll, I, I'll give him credit that he, I think he still has a little ways to go in terms of maturity, mm-hmm. um, as a star. Still only twenty three, in fairness. It, yeah, no, seriously, I, I think you see that that growth not just in 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 their game, but in in his maturity, in how he plays the game and, and approaches the game, because disappointment. I mean, that's. It felt like an understatement. Like he's the leader of that team and it didn't feel like he was leading at all mm-hmm. during the playoffs. And that is something he addressed. He, he addressed it and he talked about his conditioning and um, he didn't make excuses for himself. And now I'm, I'm going to take his word for it. I, I, I believe that he meant what he said. And I believe that he absolutely has proven that you know, he's going to do whatever it takes to win. I mean, this guy's a winner. He, he wants to win. He has the tools to win. He has a mentality to win. And I think he just needs to be a little bit more mature in how he approaches the game and just getting back <laughs> simple things, just getting back on defense, just like not hanging his head. And for it's, it's so funny that we've done a complete 180 on Jason Kidd, but um, seeing how Jason Kidd has coached him and seeing how they've interacted, I, I feel like this is the kind of, this is the kind of guy that they needed to bring in to, to really push him to be the, the player that he needs to be that they didn't really have before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. I think uh, in fairness to Jason Kidd, he's, er- he's earned that. He's made us do uh, do the the 180 on him. But uh, in terms of then how, how it's going to play out this year for, for the Mavs, how awesome would it be to see the Mavs go up against the Clippers this year in the playoffs? Oh, I mean, man. Those two, those two uh, 
first round series that we saw in back to back years where we're two uh two of the best playoff series in, in recent memories. I mean, if we get to see that again, I think uh, we'll be really blessed this year. Yeah, that that's going to be really interesting, that that matchup. Um, and we'll, maybe this isn't the right podcast to talk about it. That It'll be fun to get to that point. But not a lot has really changed between these two teams, to be honest. Yeah. Like little little things, obviously, like the the – the depth of the front court is very different between the two of them. The the wings, the wing situation with two of them is is very different. So that the matchup is is just going to be so yin and yang against both of them. But that would be, you know, I don't I don't care about the the battle for LA. I really don't. But to see Luca against the Clippers again, because any any Clippers fan, any Clippers player will say that that was just a bubble win, that they didn't want to be there, they weren't in the right headspace, but. Luca just completely dominated them. That that would be a serious revenge game for for Kawhi, if anything. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then uh, final word on the Mavs. There, where do where do you think they're going to finish in the regular season? Finished fourth last year. Where do you think they think uh, they can rise, match the drop? It's uh, picking the West is really hard. It's so hard. I. What's what's their what's their floor? What what do you what do you what do you say? I'm gonna answer your question with a question. What what is their floor? With, with health, what is the worst that they could do this season? You think? Six. Uh, I think with health, six is the worst they could do. Yeah. Six is the worst. I, I'd say they're six. I, I'd say with that, I'd I'd still put them in the top four. What do we have? Like five five seven teams that we've said that's gonna be in the top four. Yeah, pr- pretty much. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, yeah. Fair. If Green and Hardy are both balling out like we've uh, where we predicted, I think they could definitely be a top four, top four team. Let's be realistic though. That's not. That's probably not going to happen. And I do think that. I, I think the floor. The floor is very possible. I think. I think the being the six feet is is very possible because of um, regression and defense. If if you look at last season, the teams that Dallas faced shot the second worst percentage on wide open threes. They were a huge beneficiary to shooting luck last year. And then that that's a product of, you know, the, the scramble defense that they've tried to play with two bigs on the floor. And that it was, it was a lot of, a lot of luck, but a lot of effort on their end. And they're going to be relying on Dinwiddie, THJ, Wood, Luca. I mean, the, those, those are their main fulcrums of offense. And those guys have not proven they can be serious two-way players. And you're relying on those guys to maintain a defense that was what top five at the end of the end of the season. That's a big question mark whether that's sustainable. So the sustainability of how elite their defense was to end the season has me questioning whether or not they belong firmly in the top four. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. I think I could see just with the strength of the other teams. I think it, I think they could see them drop in one place and finish in fifth. But I think they'll be around the same mark, around the fifty yeah. to fifty-two. Uh, win mark but i think that's going to do it for for today's episode uh thank you all very much for listening i'm Rona game my thanks to christian nambu for joining me and thank you all very much for listening and if you like what you're hearing please subscribe and follow us on all your favorite social channels from twitter to tiktok we are everywhere at coast to coast nba and remember take every shot and love every moment shout out frank nilakina baby <laughs>